0: Welcome! This is the podcast of the Capacity Building for European Capitals of Culture project. The project has been initiated by the European Commission and here we will share insights, best practices and know-how from experts in different fields on topics relevant for the design and implementation of European Capitals of Culture. In the framework of the project, InterArts has organized the first academy camp on audience development, directed to Sina's 2021 delivery team and other actors in the cultural and social life of the Greek city. Today, Alexandra Garibaldi discusses managing change. I am
1: Alessandra Garibaldi. I am the head of transnational programs in Fondazione Fitzcarraldo, which is an independent foundation based in Turin, Italy. And my field of work is basically research and evaluation and uh, capacity building around uh, the participation topic in the cultural sector. My role within the academy camp in audience development for Elfsina was together with my other three colleagues to develop and design a program that could fit their needs in terms of introducing audience development as a concept, particularly what audience development does mean for uh, European capital of culture. And especially on focusing on the area of how to build change, long-lasting change, hopefully, and positive change, hopefully, because we never think about the change is not necessarily a good one, so a desirable one. In the context of ECOX and in the cultural context today, well, social context, the idea of change is quite central to any intervention and policy and action. And this is because if you don't have a transformative Intention, if you don't want to change things, there's no reason for you to exist as a cultural professional. And particularly for ECOX, this is extremely relevant because the ambition of ECOX is to really make a change for a place, for a people, for an environment. And this is the kind of change we talk about. And European capital of culture are actually an incredible device for change making. Starting a conversation about change is not that difficult since it's something that everybody feels is needed. In particular, when you talk about uh, European capital of culture, you are in a huge process that takes really long time for the bidding process in the very first step and then... Since when you know that you got and you were awarded, then um, you have still years to come in which you have to build that change. So speaking about change in this context is not so difficult as in other contexts, I have to say, because they are compared to single cultural organisations and institutions. Capital of culture are already collective devices and to change something, so it's not that difficult, and there are some tools you can use somehow. And uh, the first one is always to consider that you don't have to focus on what you usually focus when you do culture. So you don't have to focus on what you do, how it is amazing, your idea, your artistic programming, or whatever. But what's the kind of change you want to make? And this is the the thing that it's often quite. Shared in terms of common language, so everybody wants that change. Everybody wants to do that, and of course, is a value, and of course, it's so democratic. But when it comes to make it happen, it also has a lot of implications in terms of designing your interventions, because you have to really use that thinking in terms of impact in the very first place, and using this principle of having an impact, a positive impact, to guide you through the design process. What is most interesting of these kind of design processes, like using theory of change or other logical frameworks, but especially theory of change, I guess, is that it's really an interesting tool to make people sit together, very different ones, and first of all, agree on what is the change you want to make. So what's the shape of that future? You have to challenge your assumptions. You have to negotiate with others. But once you really get there, then everything is easier. It Be- becomes really easier because you are together with others and you really agree on what you want to achieve. Getting to the process of deciding the, let's say, of building a theory of change and, and using it in order to design your programs means, first of all, to have ev- everybody at the table. So you really need to be completely open to your stakeholders at all levels. So being private, public, single non-profit organizations, civil society, citizens, all the players, because this is where you will build up your idea of future. And in the case of Elifcina, it was particularly relevant because they are working a lot with civil society organizations. And also the participants in the training were not just the uh, ECOC staff, but also civil society representatives volunteers and so on and this is the very first step the very first step is sharing because everything has to be co-designed especially at this stage the kind of change that an eco is usually addressing is to shift perceptions and practices and to really trigger positive energies around the place. This means that in, in the case of LFCnet, it was quite clear and often the bidding processes of ECOX really report this because they usually start from an issue, a problem, if you want. So something that you want them there to change. What is more difficult to do when you think about changing mindset is to change the cultural sector itself. So change is a very long-term process. If you want to have an impact on people's behaviours and perceptions and way to relate to each other, you have to fight against all the other pressures you have around you. So increasing inequalities, economic downturns, you're fighting against something much bigger than you. But the kind of change you can make through culture is something deeper that you can really get only with a long-term perspective. This is why ECOCs are so relevant because they give you this long term perspective in a way as an opportunity to really look forward, which is something that can't really happen in any other funded project because they are long term visions. On the other side, what we never realize about uh, this idea of change is that in the cultural sector, professionals uh, often think that the change is going to happen out there, while the biggest change has to happen in the cultural sector as well. So taking responsibility. I mean, you can't open yourself to others, other sectors, other people, whatever, by keeping being the same. So you can't be the same. You will be transformed. So you have to be enough brave to take this step because it's a journey and you don't know what will happen afterwards. So hopefully cultural organizations and cultural institutions and producers after this process will be different. If the process was well done and true and well designed and really consistent, then they won't be the same. They will never do anything again without thinking for whom they are doing what they are doing. The legacy of ECOX is one of the most controversial issues. So there are plenty of evaluation and uh, studies on that, but I think not enough in a way, because those studies usually evaluation are suffering pressures, because you need to show that it was a good thing. So it's really difficult also because the evaluation doesn't have the long-term perspective that the same project has. So you would need really 10 years to see what changed after, and thanks to the ECOC process. And somewhere you can see it. In some cases, especially for the first ECOCs or let's say well, a few years ago, you can see the difference they made. And the difference they made was basically that they built a network, a way of working. Often this doesn't happen even with ECOGs. It, also, it even only happened with uh, good bidding processes. So even if you don't win, you can get there. Because if you really build it up, then it will be quite normal that whatever issue you have, you will call your colleagues whatever needs the city is somehow a showing, there will be a table called in, I don't know, one day on one week, everybody will be sitting there because you are used to meet, you are used to tackle challenges together. And uh, it will be natural for a cultural institution to speak with an hospital, because they already did that. Because those were the connections that you built through an ECOG. And I think that's, in the long term, of course, the legacy should be higher rates of cultural participation and improved well-being for people living there and improved, hopefully, also money and financing and uh, sustainability as a whole for the cultural sector and beyond. Maybe a transformed perception of the place so that cultural tourism, they become also somehow destinations for cultural tourists. Uh, so these are all expected legacies, but I think that the most important one is that it creates an habit to cooperate and to go beyond your sector's view, and this is the incredible potential that ECOGs have. It's quite difficult to frame the process of change. There are several ways, and I don't think there's one better than another. We have been using, but just to introduce it, because the the academy didn't have that. Uh, scope actually, a theory of change to help Ellipsina staff and civil society representatives to, let's say, really focus on what they already had did really match what they wanted to achieve. And so starting, as we were mentioning before, by thinking about the impact you want to have and about what you think you want to do, force you to think about for whom What's the kind of change you want to see and how to build that change step by step? It challenges your assumptions. It shows you, for example, in this sequence, let's say, of steps, which is theory of change that just brings you the value chain through which you can really produce some kind of impact. So it's helpful because it's not, I've got something good and I'm going to see who's going to be involved in this something good, whatever it is. But is what I want to make happen. Uh, what I have, why I'm so rich, what's the richness I already have, my assets, and how to get there is a step by step process. And each step also embeds its evaluation. So you have you don't just have the means to get there, the step by step. So if I want people to be happier. I will have people to be here in the first place. And then I'll have to give them a positive experience. And what does this positive experience mean? How can I build that positive experience? So it's just a way to look into what you have to do and which are your assumptions. And now to be aware about what works and what doesn't as it happens. Just a way of designing. I mean, it's a a design process program and it's uh, it's not the only one. I'm not a fan of tools as such but much more of the way you implement them. So I've been seeing very good uh, project cycle management, well-managed and really in-depth one, and very superficial theory of change approaches. So most of the work is how you do that. The implementation usually, coming from theory to practice, let's say, from the idea you want to achieve and the practice, is always a very difficult journey. It's not a linear one, and it's an iterative process. You have to go back and forth continuously. It's really an ongoing process. So the first advice I give always is to don't really trust and um, don't give up because things in the end will probably be different from what you expected. But uh, still, they will be good. I mean, it's in the process, being able to open up. So technically, it's about doing stuff. It's about whatever cultural organization knows. How to do that? they daily do do that I mean it's their job, so producing, programming, exhibiting, showing so everything is is that, but for sure, you need to take much more care of relationships, so people able to manage the community and to really be listening and becoming porous and this has to be let's say put into every step of the project and of the process, whatever it is, becoming able to listen is what makes really the difference and, and keep listening again and again and again. And uh, I think that this, this is how in the end happens, although probably few things will be like you were planning, but that's the very good thing also of this kind of process. It's whether I win or learn. So you never lose. If you design it properly and if you know that it's a learning process always, not knowing that you don't have everything under control, of course, budget, yes, <laughs> of course, some other stuff, yes, as security issues or whatever, but um, the results will be open, which is also risky for a cultural organisation. They don't feel often confident because you lose control on what will be the output, also the artistic output sometimes, if you are really brave. <laughs> The first thing that you can learn when you go through these kind of processes is that everybody thinks something at the beginning, which is never what it happens in the end. Because there are most of things in transformation processes are things that you can explain, but you cannot understand before you experience them. So in the end, you can have unexpected outputs or outcomes, incredible ones. So you just did want to do something for accessibility, for example. And then you realize that you have an entire motivated community to become uh, volunteers or others who are developing solutions for accessibility in completely other environments just because they were somehow you didn't meant to. You just want to do accessible things and say and having people with some kind of disability to that event because you wanted to do that because it was right. And that's perfectly fine. But in the end, what you learn is that they become resources for any kind of other change. So you start thinking differently to whatever you do, not just when you are in the venue doing your show or, or whatever. This is the kind of things that you learn and you really can't explain them before they happen to you. One of the things, for example, is that in participatory processes, you need to be very clear about what do you expect from those processes, framing them very well and don't raise expectations you are not up to, because this also is really dangerous in participatory programs, in all what goes under the co-creation, collaboration, co-design and whatever is really that someone has to take the responsibility to frame the process, to be very clear on expectations. Yeah, because also for games, you know, you need rules. Those rules should be shared. Otherwise you, I mean, you risk to deceive people and it's really the opposite of what you want to create. Or sometimes there are artists who are not so keen actually to really change the way they do. And in a way or another, even with good intentions, I would say sometimes, they tend to use people not to create something with them. And this is really a sensible topic because, of course, we go into the artistic freedom issue, which is something that must be preserved at any cost. But if you go in participatory programming, you should be ready for that. And the best ones are the ones in which artists really feel nourished by those experiences and are not just going going after as something that is required, but it's not really part of their identity. It's also about choices, because when you decide that you open a door for a relationship with some audience or some citizen, then you have to keep that door open, meaning that this will be reflected in your budget, future budget, anyway, because a relationship is a relationship. It's not something that can start and stop by at the end of the process. So, sorry, end of the budget, end of the relationship. But this is is implications, strong implications sometimes, because if you have a budget, a given budget, maybe even a lower budget than the year before, you have to take decisions. So it's one more exhibition or is one more people managing community for community programs. This is a choice. And you have to be consistent with those choices. Also to be clear that, I mean, if you start something, if you open that door, then you will have to keep it open. And if you ask people to get in, they then will get in and they will ask for their role because you invited them. So you have to be ready to that and very honest and transparent with yourself. likely in participatory processes, there is always someone taking the lead. There is always someone initiating a process. In this sense, ECOCs are quite interesting because they do, since the beginning, define that culture is everything, which is not a position that is shared usually in usual cultural institutions, because of course, we have an anthropological idea of culture, which is basically everything. And then an institutional idea of culture, which is the culture made by professionals in production systems, which are more or less the same since 200 years. When you go towards participatory programs, you can do it in many different shades. You have a wide range of possibilities to tackle those. There are projects of which the results are completely open. So people is really determining entirely together with the artists at the same level what the result will be and uh, there are others who are much more led by artists for example and can be very interesting as well i mean they are not bad as such and the issue of the quality of what happens of course is still there so it is it is really an open question but not giving up anything of our leadership in terms of Who decides what's quality, what is art, and what we want to achieve is something that needs to be negotiated every time. There are incredible processes. For example, there are performing arts a lot in the last years, but also all the relational art in visual arts is made of people and artists together. People is quite respected in that they have their voices in what will happen, and still the result is amazing in terms of artistic quality. I mean, I'm not just, I'm not the one to tell it, but it's, it's by critics and peers is valued as very high quality. So in this sense, uh, I, I wouldn't say that we have a problem with artistic quality versus participation. It's not something that you can decide beforehand, but in the end, you will see. If the participation is part of his artistic perspective, then the quality will be probably very high. If the participation is not part of what really nourishes the artistic discourse of the artist, then probably not. Luckily, participatory programming is and participatory art at a very different level of any kind are happening since a number of years. There's nothing new at all. But I think that today we have a kind of a different understanding of it, and we really see that it's about just like in all the other parts of the society' it's about giving up power and sharing it with others, giving voice to others and allowing other forms of understanding of what we mean, which doesn't mean that we don't have knowledge or competence or we are not professionals or so. It just means that maybe doing the other way around we do not help the cause of democracy because we do actually reproduce or even reinforce the barriers which are actually at uh, among the roots of the inequalities. So in a way we have to think about it. We, we can't stop questioning ourselves about this and ECOC is an incredible way to do so. Inviting people to the table means that in ECOC, or or better, keeping them there, keeping a place for them there after the end of the events, the year of events, means that you have to make, become structural what was ephemeral. So if you had roundtables, if you had committees, if you had, they have to be there afterwards or they have to transform themselves. The entity that constitutes the, the eco stuff, of course, it will be reduced, but it should transform itself, as it happened in Kosice or in many other places, but not in all. That's the point. So you need to be really, and, and here is where I think the political willing is really, really relevant. It's not only about how good you were in building it up, but also in how the context is, is really context related. So just like, for example, between the bidding and implementation phase, you often have a fracture, a gap. It often, often happens in all ECOs, so you can see that it's a really a recurrent issue. The same could happen at the end. And it could be very hard, and you will see only many years after if something lasted beyond intentions. But still, you have to keep attention on that. Luckily, often what happens is that culture becomes more relevant than it was before, and this is the biggest effort, huh, also. But also means that you need, if you build an infrastructure, then you have to manage that infrastructure, make so that it is sustainable and lively. Although it was will be probably resized and changed and whatever, but that kind of social and institutional infrastructure need to be kept. Otherwise, all the soft power of that will disappear together with the hard power of the the economy generated by the ECOC. Working in this field for me is my... um, I don't know why I do it. I think that I couldn't do anything else. It means to basically working in this field means to keep an international perspective on everything. So, never stopping learning. And it also means to really help people who want things to change in a positive way. So, supporting these kind of processes is strongly motivating to me. And it's a privilege because you really see and meet and get to know also in depth sometimes an incredible amount of people that really give me um positive understanding of uh, a view of the future. So I, I always say that I'm a privileged because I can be an optimist seeing what happens. What I've been learning in these last 10 years working on audience development is that is really about working together. It's not kind of change you can make alone. Whoever you are, uh, whether are you a director, or a marketing manager or an artist, or is something that can happen only together, not just together within an organization, because it's really an approach an attitude, but also together with others. so no matter how good you are as a cultural organization in reaching whoever but you are one, and if you want with that through that to contribute to something bigger, you have to do that with all the others, and that it probably doesn't work unless you don't want to become unrelevant few years, it is not enough to work with your peers, it is not enough to work with other cultural organizations. You need to go beyond your sector, outside of your box. You need to work with the school, with hospitals, with social services, you really with enterprises, with startups, you really have to work beyond your walls. Otherwise culture really risks to become unrelevant because social challenges are there and we are there to solve that. So in a way, it's about first creating the connection inside. Audience development in the end is about relations. It's all about relations. So how to become a relational organization means both internally, work on that, and externally. It's not about having people or attenders or whatever. It's about building relationships and keeping them warm and meaningful. Working in the cultural field is itself motivating for everybody who works in it. But and working in this particular area, for me, is meaningful because really without the connection with the sense and meaning of culture and what it links to social dimension is really building or facilitating, let's say, the infrastructure for a better future. So this is the great ambition of whoever works in our field. Maybe a little disproportionate, I guess, also, because we should be more realistic and make a little change we can see in our little space. But it's it. it's at the same time, it's the idea that you are contributing to something bigger, that there are many others like you across Europe, so many. And, the, and you can really meet professionals of extremely high level of all kind. And that's a privilege. So this is why I basically work in this field. Culture is, of course, extremely relevant, but this is something that all the people working in the cultural sector say and not the other ones. So one of the reasons why working in culture, uh, especially then at the policy level, is so important is that we need to be able to tell that story, that everybody is like somehow perceiving, they sense it, but they don't know it. And if it's not measurable, it doesn't exist this is why the other policies the one with the p capital letter don't recognize cultural policy actually which are quite weak in some countries even not just uh, and, and it's i mean it's enough if you look at the budget if you look at the budget breakdown so it's it's quite clear where culture is in the priorities nevertheless quite culture is the infrastructure for social change this is quite clear for everybody what we should take responsibility for is to really believe in that, not just because we are worth, but to go really straight to social needs, to why we are here, sparking conversations. Uh, We need to really be responsible for that as cultural sector, I think. So it's not just because they are bad and ugly and they don't give us enough money. It's also about us and what should we do in order to get there. So we, we have to be the first ones really open to that. Then culture, of course, is everything, is everywhere, and is the same. It's whatever is not sleep, is that. Not even health, because it's really, now we see clearly that also on health, not only mental health, but also other sectors of health, is the culture is relevant, is one of the determinants of the quality of life of people. And it can really help in many, many different ways. And it does. And it did. The COVID just showed us. We all survived trying to find meaning somewhere where the meaning was stolen from us. We didn't have anything else to to think about. We, we were just tired and scared and uh, we are still. So all this pain was simply, culture was there to relieve, to make sense, to give opportunities, to think about possible futures. So that's incredible, not only transformative, but also exploratory power that the culture has is is incredibly needed. So we can't kill culture. Culture is there. As far as there are human beings, is there. The problem is, how can we make this policy and politics? And this is uh, the main challenge. But of course, now more than ever, culture is or should be relevant uh, for cultural policy. Something in the new programming is there. But there's still a long way to go. We need to work not only beyond the cultural sectors, but also within the cultural sectors, because we don't, museums don't speak with digital or theatres don't speak with food or with fashion or whatever. So we need to really be very open to what it means, culture and creative sectors. Alone, we will die. The world needs us, but also we need the world. Culture doesn't exist without people. It doesn't exist without the rest of the world. So we can't think that we are preserved from any change while the rest of the world is just changing so fast. (laughs) Well, in the cultural sector, the question is always why we are doing culture, but especially for whom and we whom. And this is a question we never ask ourselves enough. And in the end, it's the question and not. And I think that whatever it is, the answer, I really believe it's it's fine, but it's really important to, to ask ourselves this starting from this and and trying to get
0: there. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the podcast of the Capacity Building for European Capitals of Culture Project, initiated by the European Commission. We hope you enjoyed this episode and join us next time for more.